0: Ready to do my part, so I'm gonna click here to learn more here on VJ. Please,
1: a heinous trip with Warp Five. My name is Joseph, and I also fantasize about stealing back all the things that have been stolen from me. I'm your co-host, Peter.
0: Peter, what episode of Star Trek Enterprise did we watch this week?
1: Mm, it's not Star Trek Enterprise yet.
0: Even on this version, they've already put Star Trek Enterprise into the credits,
1: so I'm calling it. Maybe on your version, my version's a little bit. <laughs> We're moving into season three, episode two, Anomaly. This first aired September 17th, 2003, written by Mike Sussman, who at this point's an executive producer, right? I believe so. Uh, interestingly absent is Phyllis Strong, who almost... I think this is the first time I've ever seen Sussman named without Strong being involved somehow. And uh, directed by David Striden, which... What else? Oh, this guy's got a lot of Enterprise. Desert Crossing, Night in Sick Bay, Vanishing Point. This guy's got all the turds. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently it wasn't him. It wasn't his fault. Mm. Uh, so we are two episodes now into the new Star Trek. It's been when's the last time we did a we, we did episode one three weeks ago, two weeks ago, two weeks ago. <laughs> Two weeks ago by our reckoning as we record here. three twenty-three twenty-three for us over here. And uh, new format, new lights, new direction, new tone, all in full effect.
0: When I first watched the show, I was watching season three, as I've mentioned many times before. And I remember watching episode one and like, okay. Interesting. And then I watch this and be like, oh, wow, is this show? This show's really good. This is really interesting. It's gripping. It's tense. There's good action. There's good music. There's some inventive camera and lighting going on. I had no idea Star Trek Enterprise was so good. I am so glad that this has been recommended to me.
1: Some bad special effects, but they're zany, so they're fun. Yeah, period appropriate special effects. But again, it's zany stuff. I can get behind it,
0: right? Absolutely. And it's a kind of incredible this essentially the same group of people are making this show that we're making the absolute dog shit that we were subjected to during season two that we just recently got done complaining about for like an hour and 15 minutes.
1: True. So uh, we're going to open in this one. Well, hmm, let's see. Is there any meta stuff to really discuss here?
0: I mean, what are your overall thoughts on this direction so far? Are you feeling this gritty reboot era? Is, I mean, this is a nice taste of what's to come.
1: Jury's still out. Really I, interesting. I think that the absence of a little doo 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 with a funny look at each other, and you know, to Paul raises an eyebrow and cut to credits like that era of whimsical silliness. Being gone isn't a bad thing. Uh, I still feel like I'm carrying some baggage in regards to Archer.
0: Yeah, if suddenly having to take him as the gritty, realistic military hero after we've watched him be a petulant child
1: is like, whoa, okay. I mean, and it's it's
0: a it's a new look, but it's a good look.
1: And I, you know, is there really a way to transition into that that we haven't already seen? You know, the guy is wearing the literally the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I think that's enough to to cut the shit. Uh, I don't think he's a great captain, and I think he's got some bad leadership style in this. But I think it makes sense because he's someone with a gun to his head who is being forced into a role that he didn't necessarily sign up for. Yeah, he's not a military leader by... Nature, not even a military leader, but again, somebody who is been not even tasked. I mean, he he volunteered to go out and save the world on what could ultimately be a fluke. Mm -hmm. Something trip gives voice to actually quite directly. So, um, you know, some of these things where he's basically bullying people. Get the engines up. I don't care what you have to do. I I don't care about you or your not comfort, but like, I don't I don't care about your struggle. Give me what I want, especially when it comes to Paul in this episode. I feel like he is. Kind of like a brute dick. And I feel like to Paul comes off like a battered wife in this big time. Yeah, He pushes her around for
0: essentially no reason. Like, just angry at her. She doesn't do anything wrong.
1: She's actually giving some relatively reasonable advice. And again, she's supposed to be safe and sound back on Vulcan, and she resigned her commission to be there. So maybe there'll be an episode down the road where he has like this. I don't know who his confidant at this point is. Maybe Phlox, maybe, maybe Trip. But with Trip going off the rails, um, I, it's going to be very interesting to see now that you've a cohesive writing force. And that's, that's the real thing to appreciate here is that based on what you've said and what some of the other people have inclimated to, like the writing gets good. And part of good writing is a cohesive story where the previous episode matters, uh, and a unified vision and what the series is supposed to be. I'll be interested in who is his confidant going to be and what steam does he start blowing off in private? What are his own doubts? Uh, if he's going to kind of have a moment where he realizes he's needlessly pushing his people too hard, and you know, yelling at to Paul to get more out of the sensor readings than are actually there is productive. But to Paul specifically, and in this especially, uh, I'm still not feeling that haircut. Her fucking disco jumpsuit looks like trash, and she went from being. Uh, pretty up their boss bitch at the end of season two, to this meek, st- almost stammering,
0: mm-hmm.
1: walking on eggshells, and and generally seeming fearful first officer. And I don't dig that. Beyond that, uh, solid stuff. And and maybe you know again that that's just stuff they're gonna flesh out. And these are intentional dynamics we have in play.
0: The opener is Porthos doing something that we have never before seen him do on screen.
1: Somehow. Not true.
0: Oh, is it? Did it it happen before? And I don't remember.
1: He, Porthos, has a uh, class ability to bark at the problem. Oh, that's right. He he barked at Silic,
0: because Silic was going to give him cheese. Mm -hmm. I mean, shit all over Richard's quarters while he's unconscious. Mm -hmm. I do forget that. But yeah, he only seems to bark at Space Danger. And... Mm -hmm. And I mean, what a dog, right? If you're going to be have a dog as a as a space faring person, as a captain of a starship, getting a dog genetically bred to bark when there's
1: space danger seems like an extraordinarily strong investment. All right. Here's what I want you to do right now, Joe. I want you to compare and contrast. Porthos to uh, early three seasons, Deanna Troy. (laughs)
0: Who is more useful? Who can provide more immediate aid? Because I'm the seeing moment? the
1: same skill set. <laughs>
0: Bark and danger.
1: I don't know. I'm it detecting is- a problem. 1989 Marina
0: Certis has uh, benefits than it. it Porthos, as good a boy as he is, <laughs> cannot possibly match. <laughs> but he barks because there's space danger. And we do quite quickly see what that space danger is, which is Everything on the ship starts blowing up or plates fly into the air because there's a string that they've pulled to pull all of the the plates up for the pan overshot. Uh, There is a cup of coffee on Archer's desk that is suspended in midair.
1: And there's the uh, twisted warping hallway from Voyager. Yes, from Twisted. Twisted. Yeah, there's like a big like bullfrog neck bump. Going up in the middle of the the corridor, shooting down, just throwing crewmen left and right. <laughs>
0: yeah, a couple stunts stun doubles get eaten. He's getting fucking launched. And uh they get a uh, cup uh, of coffee. Yeah, the PS2 graphic just kind of hangs out
1: in the in the frame. I when we get to the end of this episode, we we didn't do it for episode one. Episode two, we have to. Uh, include our Starfleet SOP addendums. This cup of coffee is going to be heavily featured.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the power goes out. They fall out of warp. The warp core went nuts. So Trip had to shut it down. And they get the emergency power back online and they have to start like, okay, what happened? Everything's off. Nothing works. It's all we're all fucked right now. Uh, and then Travis detects a ship nearby, which they're only able to limp towards at quarter impulse power, evidently. When they arrive there, uh, they decide to board it because there's no life signs. There's no atmosphere. Um, there's signs of a struggle. So they're going to go in and, and investigate to see what occurred. So that maybe uh, helps shed light on their own situation. And Peter, that's where we get to a scene straight out of Starship Troopers. The suit-up scene as they get into their EV suits. You know why I thought of Starship Troopers?
1: I have no idea, Joe, because quite frankly, this entire scene um, is a blur to me. All I remember is the shuttle pod docking and me being right as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally all i saw
0: yeah yeah so i mean you were even blinded by the fact that colonel mckenzie is our first example of a 2000s hottie cuz we we we've had a lot of 90s hottie we've talked of the 90s hottie the 90s hottie has had their day and i think this is a firm uh, you know crossover into the 2000s uh 2000s cross hottie fit.
1: very crossfit
0: very very like lean definitely the look of the era and as god is my witness i cannot believe they shot this scene with her without a bra on
1: in hd you can see her titties as clear as day they're right there you know i i didn't even (laughs) notice because in that scene uh so, so we cut to i don't know the decontamination room whatever uh they're suiting up how many spacesuits were we at previously Two. Two, and they apparently got a third because of a movie so there
0: was a movie that's that, right
1: those three
0: so they 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 had three in this episode and the third one apparently was from the movie the core which was a paramount movie from 2003 and so they retrofitted that suit from that movie
1: into a third suit for their show i thought that the mako what does mako stand for
0: Hold on. You know what? Why You're guess when I can click on this don't link? What the Military is? Assault Command Operations.
1: Not like uh, Shinra soldiers.
0: <laughs> they kind of are. Yeah. They're sort of like uh, generically goonish.
1: <laughs> it's interesting seeing who they picked to play this. Uh, the the Mako selection. Instead of like getting some real rowdy jarhead Steroid dudes. They've got like a very attractive white bread America with one or two minorities sprinkled in. Yeah, everyone's
0: fit. Everyone is everyone's muscular, fit,
1: but everyone looks very L.A. actor fit and not like I crawl around in fit. the mud yeah. and 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 eat things that I would not have wanted to at the beginning of the day. Um, so the lady getting oh so. My impression was that Mako uh, soldiers had different EV suits.
0: No, I I imagine they probably use Starfleet suits, right? Like they, the the Makos are Earth's military. They're not spacefaring people, you know, like that's why they're talking like if any of you actually have a lot of experience firing in zero G, right? And
1: for the most part, they don't because they're from Earth. (laughs) I wanted to talk about. Mako for a second. I was thinking about them as the holdover of the old Earth and even like the same for like the wet navies and stuff that uh Reed's family used to serve in and uh resentment that they might have for Starfleet or Starfleet by incorporating them without directly absorbing them and I think you can look at the space truckers, the Earth Cargo Authority. And it's going to be the same story, right? You want to go into military service. You want to. You want to fuck shit up. You want to get into some cool action battles or or whatever, or you have a long military line of tradition or that's what you want to do. You got two options. You can go into Earth, which has now become a quickly post scarcity utopia or Instead, you join Starfleet and go into their their pussy security core. But you're going to see some cool shit. You're going to do some cool shit. And I think it makes sense that you see that get phased out or maybe the wet navies and that stuff get phased out along with the Earth cargo authority, because all those people are better uh, rewarded by going into Starfleet.
0: Would I, do you believe me if I told you that you just described the motivations of the villain from Star Trek Beyond, the third JJ verse movie? He's literally a Mako that got turned into a Starfleet officer and didn't like it. Like that's, I mean, like it's a great plot eye point, and that's why that movie's actually rad as fuck because that's the plot. You just said it. All of these dudes who used to be pre Earth Starfleet guys, and specifically Makos. That got turned into Starfleet officers after the Makos got disbanded, but they're still military officers. And then they got caught up in some space shenanigans and did some real, like, you know, fascist shit. <laughs> like, great plot. Great plot. And that's why I'm a big defender of that film, because that well, is that, a good idea. That's
1: a situation where someone getting turned against their will. I think, you know, we talked before, like, who wants to go work on a space truck? Right. When instead you can go work on, you know, an NX Star Cruiser and, and, and do clean stuff and eat, uh, you know prime rib and whatever the hell <laughs> else Cook is whipping up there. Uh, so anyways, there they are. They're in the suit up room. You got the girl, and this is the same uh, lady who beat the fuck out of the dirty miner.
0: Yeah, with uh, the tonsa.
1: Yeah, <laughs> whip the shit out of him.
0: We're just and- right in the balls.
1: Like just no mercy. Yeah, and they're all getting dressed together. It's her and two other Makos, I want to say. And then it's Correct. what? Archer Mayweather. No, Mayweather wasn't in, in a suit.
0: Ar- uh, uh, Mayweather was on the mission as the pilot, pilot but he didn't yeah. go in. I believe it's the Makos and Archer and Reed. Reed, yeah. And he's
1: head of the Makos. Does he pop up in this episode?
0: No, he does not. What's his name? Major Hayes.
1: So, yeah, I mean,
0: it is a bit astonishing to me that somehow the sensors did not catch that Corporal McKenzie was brawless and her titties were on full display in HD for the entirety of the scene. And the camera was centered on it several different times for that very specific reason. Guess maybe people didn't have HD TVs yet, so they just... Ah? I missed didn't it. Notice. Too, man. I
1: was too d- distracted by uh, the wetsuits underneath the spacesuits. I don't <laughs> know.
0: Uh, but I i was just I just was just astonished at the level of shamelessness that was occurring. It was very Starship Troopers ask like the shower scene, which is like, we're going to throw titties in this movie somehow. So here it is. That's what it felt
1: like. They fly over in the uh, shuttle pod, which I still am kind of stank that they didn't get new shuttle pods while they were refitting enterprise something a little bit more militant maybe for this darker tone uh they fly over get a the- great shot as they enter because what they do is as they come into the
0: ship to give that sense that it's weightless and they're just in you know w- walking along in the corridors of the ship not necessarily tethered to a single uh this orientation the camera rotates around and they've got the relatively primitive effects of things floating in the air while they rotate the camera. And it gives a really cool and creepy effect. And the music in this episode, and he kind of starts to pick up here, is also very different, very dark, very moody. There's even some, like, synth drums and synth guitar in a couple spots. I don't know if you noticed. Mm. Very... It sets the tone uh, starkly different fashion.
1: How do you feel... Now that we've watched first flight and we've really established the Mary Sue Bible of Jonathan Archer's origin story. Mm -hmm. These situations where the engine is down and priority one is getting the engine back up and Archer is never in engineering helping.
0: Yeah, as the man who's apparently obsessed with his father's engine, he doesn't
1: seem to, to lend a hand there very much, does he? As the man who only after action, grandpa said the engine sucks and he went home that night and within three hours found the fatal flaw of the intermix chamber of the warp five engine uh, and corrected the formula and then came back to work. Clearly he's a great engineer right alongside trip. Like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, first flight really introduced a lot of shit. I wish I didn't know. <laughs> and it's just you more overloaded him.
0: You, you made Archer
1: too competent. It's well, and and his competency just makes him again, a worse captain. Like you should be in there helping fix this goddamn thing. Like, I, again, they're just all over the place on what Archer's supposed to be. At this point in season three, he is supposed to be Jack Bauer who yes. is willing to bust some fucking heads He's ready to waterboard a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's going to do it.
0: Uh, they they go to the derelict ship. They do a good job of kind of doing their best aliens, you know, kind of vibe in there. But all they find is bodies. They download their computer. They bounce back and take what they got downloaded from their computer and, and start analyzing it. And... They're like, well, maybe we should wait here just to repair. And Arch is like, nah, these guys got attacked like two days ago. So whatever preyed on them is probably in the area. So we just need to like get away from all the things we possibly can <laughs> at whatever speed is possible so that we can remain unmolested. And that is when he goes down to engineering and talks to Trip about what's happened to the warp core. Why can't we go to warp? This is like probably some of my favorite techno babble I've heard. In quite some time, this is extremely well written and well delivered by Colin Trenier as well in a fashion that makes me believe Trip is doing this because the it, the the technobabble actually talks about warp fields and warp drive as extraordinarily difficult physics equations, which it, it should be. Sure. The the shout out to the Cochrane theory, the, the Cochrane equation, which it. It suggests like there is a specific formula that Cochrane figured out that allows for the formation of a war- stable warp field by understanding the relationship uh, between uh, subspace particles in order to bend them to create the warp bu- bubble. Um, you know, it seems to be the suggestion to create that stable field like that
1: constant has to be in place because that's how you do the, all of the math that creates all of the, the field around the ship. It's a well-conveyed feeling of frustration, and from Tripp's angle, uh, he is still sleep-deprived. He's still carrying the baggage of his family being dead and being angry about it. Uh, And now here they are getting swatted about by these space anomalies, and the most basic thing the ship is supposed to be able to do, which is push them along at warp speed... Uh, he is not able to achieve, and every time he tries to compensate for things, uh, some other monkey wrench gets thrown into the situation. So, uh, and,
0: and and I like that they portray Trip as extremely smart, as he's very good at his job, and he is so good he's actually attempting to to adjust for the fact that this that the the laws of physics don't apply on the fly successfully, and he's getting close. <laughs> like I'm so good. Despite the fact that this fundamental theory is what makes warp field isn't working, I'm I'm tweaking you know all of the numbers here just enough to try and get it to work.
1: Luckily for Trip, all that pent up frustration will have an opportunity to vent itself later on in the episode. I could have gone for some conversation somewhere in here that maybe Archer regretted offhandedly dismissing all of the warnings that suval gave him
0: some reflection on like okay maybe this part of space is exactly
1: as dangerous as the vulcans were trying to tell me trip i don't know if i mentioned it to you or not but the vulcans told me that this part of space uh in addition to being community theater event horizon also does zany things to space Earlier in the episode, when they show the anomalies initially popping off. I like that anomaly isn't just like a big thing that hits the ship at once. It's like you're laying on a slip and slide and being dragged down a road and you feel each rock as it like. Starts on your back and then it goes down your back and hits your butt and your leg, like as the dishes are flying off the table, as Uh, bubbles are ripping down the deck. And, you know, we'll find an example later on in this episode, like organics are at danger from these anomalies as well. So this is a nice follow up to episode one, where all the stuff in the hull, uh, I'm sorry, the cargo hold was up against the wall. And uh, the concerns that Archer had earlier on that there's more dangers here than just the anomalies will soon come true
0: one last shot of your coffee mug where he comes back into his office and his coffee mug and the coffee is still suspended in midair dude I did I did really like the idea that he just got super frustrated by the fact that this is happening and just grabs his fucking coffee mug and puts it back on his desk and the coffee is still there
1: The guy's a fucking animal you know the gravity is <laughs> going to come back you know, that coffee is going to come down and go fucking everywhere. You've got a chance right now just to take a, a waste packet and just scoop all that shit in and save you or some poor steward. Like 20 minutes of annoying cleanup. Who no. does
0: this? <laughs> Jonathan Archer, when he's frustrated, like, fuck it, I'm going to take my coffee cup This Coffee can go fuck itself. <laughs> like this is bullshit this is bullshit that there's coffee suspended in midair in my fucking office Just what the stuff. fuck is wrong with space
1: why is space asshole that is the moment he is going through speaking of some space assholes lo and behold whoever attacked uh the dead lizard people of that other ship uh come cruising around looking for some trouble this is
0: this is every bad gunfight has come back for vengeance in the form of an amazing gunfight. These guys beam onto the ship to do a pirate raid. They are some gnarly Mad Max-looking motherfuckers, and they are gunning down Enterprise crew members left and right and stealing their shit like they took a wrong turn into the wrong neighborhood.
1: Now, we've just had this fairly recently in... um... Concerning flight. But rest assured, there is no John Reese Davies here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. These uh space pirates, they're serious business. They're beaming over. This is now the third race we have seen. Not counting the Vulcans, who we assume have it, but third race. Klingons have transporters. These dudes got transporters. There might have been one or two other ones in there. Mm, the sulaban have transporters too, at least. Yeah, they got a real good uh, guy working the transporter console who is very good at putting all the attack parties in within melee range. So they're getting some quick X attacks in.
0: Yes, they are. They're getting that that they are mostly trying to hit the non-lethal button. You know, they're they're not being gentle, but they're not murdering everyone.
1: Mixed messages here. Uh, because this is going to become the big moral centerpiece of this episode. Let's 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 jump ahead a minute here. Uh, poor crewman Fuller doesn't make it out of this one alive. No, right? very very first actual casualty. And that is this. This is really what they were saving it for, huh?
0: I mean, it certainly sets a tone. like, this is not a safe part of space. You're just going to randomly lose a guy. Like these dudes showed up, and they weren't even really trying to kill you that hard you know they're not
1: murderers they're just just don't care thieves i i guess i don't blame this episode for having the first i don't blame this episode for having a death i blame the product the producers for picking this episode to be the first death all the zany high risk shit that they have gone through up to this point, including fighting the goddamn Borg. Yeah. And the first person to die on enterprise is during a mugging. I, I, someone dying that that's fine. So, so, so it resets your expectations though.
0: Like it does reset your expectations. Like, okay, we're going in a different direction now. Like, there's going to be casualties. There's going to be a cost to things. And they certainly build on that in this episode. So I'll grant that. And man, like everything with Trip deciding to go
1: animal mode with a space pipe. Yeah, let's this. flash back to Trip's. Trip's been on edge. Trip needs to blow off steam. These dudes, they're beaming in. They are going for the old uh, rifle across the back of the neck thing. Sometimes a couple people are getting shot again. I always have to wonder, does this alien species have stun and kill? And they're just being real cool and using stun, which maybe that's something that the captive later on could have mentioned was like, you know, we try not to kill because when we do kill, people get mad and they look for more trouble and that's not good for business. Or that, simply that they've got primitive disruptors
0: and sometimes they kill you and sometimes they don't. Then it's just like, did, where'd you get shot? You get shot in the shoulder, you're all right. You get shot in the heart, you eh.
1: These guys have been stealing from everybody. I'd think they'd have a nice assortment of events. Did you read in memory alpha where they said that the uh, pirate rifles were type three phasers from first contact that they repainted? Yes. And they even look like good, too. (laughs) Old dildo guns. And as they knock these guys out, they go up to cargo. They go up to important stuff. And they're putting like homing beacon transporter things that are like beaming them out. Mm -hmm. They go into the hole from uh, catwalk that the space fascists were stealing the warp juice out of
0: that's it, what plasma uh it is warp antimatter this is the gasoline they go juice they steal it all and they're trying to steal stuff in engineering but trip ain't having it and he's on top of the warp core trying to avoid them and he sees two extremely well armed alien intruders below him he does not have a gun but fortunately he doesn't need a gun. One of his subordinates has left him a more superior weapon of a more civilized age, mm-hmm. and that is a space pipe. And he picks up a space That's pipe. Actually,
1: it was actually a lightsaber. But it being trip, he knew the most effective use of that lightsaber was not to not turn, it, turn it, on. it on. Yeah, don't turn and it just on. Bust a motherfucker over the head with it. He drops
0: down, and he puts a fucking hit on this guy with this space pipe that killed everyone ever related to him. <laughs> he just. Steals the soul right out of his fucking body.
1: I, I swear to God on my, when I was watching when he hits him the first time with that pipe, it almost looks like there's a light special effect. Like there's some sort of a uh, energy discharge as the pipe hits the guy. And like, there's like a, an energy pulse off of that thing. It it just absolutely ruined this man. <laughs> just goes
0: down like a sack of bricks. It's really well shot. It's this quick, tight, kinetic little fight scene. And he, the stunt guys were just going ham, trying to hit each other. And they just get this one great shot of the impact where the dude just flies back. It <laughs> looks like he got hit by a freight train and then trip looks like he's going to go with his space pipe. He's just going to like bum rush the other three guys. Like, I'm on a kill streak. (laughs) (laughs) And this next one, I'm going to have an invulnerability moment. And I'm going to be able to combo my hits. Like I'm playing fucking uh, Arkham Asylum or something. (laughs) Like you ain't getting me. Mm. But instead he decides to go ahead and play uh, 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 environmental hazard. (laughs) Turn on his very shocky warp core to, uh, to keep them from, from being able to
1: move around until, one of them can be shot by Reed as he walks in. Solid move and a very checkoff gun because as the engine was malfunctioning initially, it was throwing off all sorts of uh, nasty electricity bolts. So I thought it was cool that he did intentionally turn it on to trap those guys.
0: And one last note, I really like that they're using stun grenades and trying to get the guys who are stealing the warheads
1: because they didn't want to shoot any of the torpedoes. <laughs> See, I thought he was trying to go for the environmental kill on that and use a stun grenade to to set the torpedo off and kill him. But I guess your way makes more sense. I like the Mako troops uh, as they are participating in the counteroffensive. Have their fucking backpacks on. Yes. I don't know what's in these backpacks that they need to have them on for close quarter combat. But are you space <laughs> marines from 40K? Are you got like armor suits on? <laughs> like, what is this? Part of me wanted to criticize Archer and be like, you knew that there were like raiding boarding parties. Like, why not just keep the ship at tactical alert and have dudes with guns stationed out there? But then I realized I didn't even think of that myself until they were actually being attacked. So good on the writers for having a plausible situation. I mean, maybe this will be a nice live and learn. Uh, once they're done getting raided and they get
0: most of their shit stolen, there's a quick scene in sick bay. flocks is tending to the wounded it is serious and we this is where we find out that crewman fuller is our first casualty which Archer, that's gotta be brian fuller right that's gotta be a reference to him absolutely is he involved and, with
1: star trek at this point or is this like uh fuck you you're dead to us no i'm pretty sure he he bounced
0: uh after voyager
1: to do other shows yeah he couldn't uh get through season one of enterprise either <laughs>
0: So Fuller's dead, Archer finds out from Flocks that the species responsible called the Osarians, who are not from the Expanse.
1: And they're also like, not sorry.
0: And the one that they have captured that was shot by Reed, they have in their new Brig set, which we'll see shortly. So the Brig, uh, jumping back to, gosh, what was it? Very early on, we did a whole put them in the airlock because we had they had no other place to put them. What was it? Was it was it when they captured cargo? No, the, did they capture one of the Suliban? No, I don't. One think of our fans will have to remind us. They captured somebody, and I remember we had the conversation where I thought there was a brig set on the show, and I re- someone pointed out yeah they do, but it's not until season three they don't build it till then. Well,
1: Memory Alpha says that that was part of the refit. That There was not a brig previously as part of the enterprise build out, and even the prison is a treat, it's nice of them before they mm-hmm. left. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we're all about uh mankind and good of uh will, and and you know, we come in peace and all that. But here's a brig, and uh, we also put another transporter in that's still miscalibrated. So, if you need to send people to 12 second hell.
0: <laughs> That's we their just time. keep rotating you through that over and over and over again. and It only takes a few seconds from our end, so mm-hmm. not a lot of not a lot of uh pain happening on our part. Really, just on yours. Yeah, we have a shitty transporter. How many
1: times do you want to go through it? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I mean, do, listen, you got three options. One, you tell me what I want to know. Two, I put you through the twelve second hell transporter. Or three, we're gonna put you in the normal transporter. We're gonna beat me up and down on a densely foliated. Um, planet below so you might come back with some leaves and rocks in your face <laughs> we're just gonna leave it up to chance <laughs> you pick your poison buddy
0: let's go talk to this guy who's just like the most stage actory extra dude you can call to play in this sort of thing uh, i love these guys on star trek i've always loved these bit actors that play the alien that are just just going for it, right? Because they've got a they're they're gonna throw this on their reel. They wanna be they want to go real big in their scene that they've got on this network television show. And said so this guy is so much a fucking cartoon of a bad guy. Like, you know, they tell us he tells a story of woe of how his people used to be traitors and they got caught in the Delphic expanse and those clouds you pass through season two, they don't let you back out. So you get stuck
1: here and you go. Desperate. It's just not. Part of Suval's warning. No, right. All of his tales, the Klingons that came back inside out. Uh, community theater, event horizon, Vulcan science vessel. Uh, this is a new layer of it that, by the way, you might just never escape this bitch. So th- there, there's some really interesting Voyager retread happening here. Uh, concerning Flight, which was the space uh, space pirates stole all our shit and we got to go get it back with the help of John Reese davies <laughs> uh, But more enjoyably, The Void, which uh, you had a variety of species getting stuck in a little pocket realm where they couldn't escape and they were just robbing each other blind over and over again. And every time someone new would come in, they'd, they'd pounce on them.
0: Yeah. And like then Janeway had to like put together a little alliance to get everyone out of there
1: and, mm-hmm. and do some federation building, you know, um, and then not help the other people get out so they could continue to victimize other people. That was a, it was a shitty one for her. Um, <laughs>
0: go on yeah
1: <laughs> it's reminder
0: like oh she kind of sucked didn't she She's very frequently
1: she was a fucking monster you know <laughs> uh so there's this uh free app on all the smart tvs and everything else it's called pluto tv mm-hmm. yeah it's an interesting service i i've i watched a lot of bond movies on it i love it It's got commercials, which for whatever reason, my wife is very partial, just background noise. And also when commercials are on, I feel like I'm not indebted to actually watch anything because as soon as the commercials are on, like, well, enough of that, I'm moving on with life. But they've got two Star Trek channels and the one is usually showing because it's a Paramount property, right? Mm -hmm. One is always showing original series, but then the other Star Trek channel, which is called more Star Trek, is just running Voyager all the time. Uh, so occasionally flipping this thing on playing a game with myself where like, how long does it take for me to, now that I've seen every episode of Voyager and I've talked at least minimum one hour about every episode of Voyager, how long does it take for me to recognize an episode or which episode it is?
0: right like okay wait i've seen this which is it
1: what season is it uh season's got to be difficult sometimes no just just episode that's all i care about because the pluto tv is so fucking basic it won't even show what goddamn episodes playing but uh man they had the one on the last time i played or watched it was the one where uh, was it season either season five or season six finale where uh What's his face is like? Oh, hey, I've got the slipstream federation ship to get you all home. And-
0: oh, that's episode four's finale because that is the uh, Arcturus. Yes, Arcturus. So good. Was, yes, because that is that's the finale of the season that the Borg show up because that's the go, links all the way back to the beginning of like your actions in Scorpion part two were in. Just monstrous, the entire entire Delta Quadrant. So I'm going to murder you and your entire crew by sending you into the jaws of the very enemy you chose not to allow to fucking die. Don't blame him; he's not yeah. wrong. It's not wrong. arturus was right. That's what we learned. Great episode. I uh, do, I, but I do forget the name of the. Ep- I can tell you everything about it. That is Ray Wise. That he's like a super translator. You know, like that they find got a big the thing,
1: shave scrotum for a head.
0: This is when. B'lana, no, the actress was pregnant, but Bolana yeah. was not. So that was in that era where she was wearing like the engineering the lab coat yeah. to hide that she was pregnant IRL. You oh, think man. they're going to let, uh,
1: you think they're going to let a uh, Jolene Blaylock get away with that? <laughs> no, no, I think Jolene right Blaylock, there in her contract. You cannot be pregnant. <laughs> it, just, it wouldn't actually Absolutely. It wouldn't, surprise me. It would not surprise Absolutely. me at all. Rick
0: Berman. Come on. We made well, that. It was interesting that that wasn't probably not in uh, Roxanne Dawson's contract. I guess they felt like they could work around it.
1: And so they just didn't. Yeah. Until they saw that uh, she had done all the push ups and they're like, okay, maybe it would be a sex symbol after. Again, Voyager as a whole started <laughs> off as a we're not doing boobies. Here's Janeway. Here's Uh Bolana. Here's Kess there's no clear sex symbol here and we're going to respect these ladies and the feminine voice. And they, then, they,
0: they did a little bit with Janeway at the beginning of like having some of her in her like nightgown or spe- her I'm bodice sorry. I take ripper.
1: It wasn't uh, th- that one with Ray wise. Wasn't the last one it was the second last one. Cause the last one was fucking eye of a needle. And I watched the scene with her talking to the Romulan captain. And I'm just like, God damn, this is good.
0: Yeah. That was a real early one, too. That was like, maybe Pluto TV seasons. only plays the great stuff. <laughs> maybe it knows. Like, you never see Twisted or Elojam on that. <laughs> like, those don't show up. Like, Virtuoso,
1: not in the rotation. Space Cougar Planet was in there. I watched Harry hit that lady over the head with the fucking <laughs> chair and try and kill her. <laughs> Uh, I love Harry uh, Kim as a fucking murderer. Anyway, so (laughs) back back to murderers. Back to a very grim show. It's very (laughs) dark. Terrible things are happening. Uh, He he goes in, and this guy, he's not just an ugly Mad Max alien. This guy is clearly deformed. And it's like, hmm, why does this guy look like his face is a piece of baloney that has been hooked and stretched three inches to the left? Kind of looks like... uh, The insurrection bad guys, right? Yeah, the Sona. So this isn't someone else's face has necessarily been put over mine, but my face has been stretched the wrong way to the side. And Archer goes in and he's very salty because Fooler is dead and he has been robbed. And that's, well, maybe not having a dead crew member as well, but, you know, we've all been robbed at some point. It's a shitty feeling, especially when you're there on this mission. And that's been greatly endangered. Also, all your fucking guns are gone. Guns and
0: fuel. They're like don't have a choice but to fucking
1: Yeah, they can have a choice but to fucking find these guys. Like
0: mission fail if they don't, so they've gotta track down their stuff. And this guy, you know, he talks a big game and then, you know, basically calls Archer out as like, you're too civilized to torture me. And then this is where we get a hint probably of like probably of where we're headed, which is yeah, you're right. I'm gonna feel bad about hurting you. But if I can I can just deal with the remorse of, of doing bad things. Like I, I know that I'm not like a monstrous killer. I
1: will kill you and I'll feel bad about it. (laughs) It's what he tells this guy. It's a little paint by numbers and, and trotting out bad boy. Archer feels a little trite, but again, I can understand the writer's room acknowledging the fact that Archer is a weak point of the show and needing to, Fix him somehow. So that that's the framework for its business time archer. Um, and and
0: if, if if perhaps instead of having this come out in his direct conversation with this guy, but instead trip egging him into this position, because we know trip is the one who's the hardest in the paint to fucking kill these guys. And if he says, Captain, you just got to get in there and you, you know, yeah, we might feel bad about some of the things we've done. I'm ready to live with some remorse are you and you know like that instigates him to be like okay my murder friend has a point trip would really be a
1: good kind of is archer's confidant they're like boys you know yeah and i mean He's that's the boss but they're boys archer had a couple confidants so far flocks to paul and trip i like the idea of trip being the devil on his shoulder enabling and encouraging poor behavior. And of course there'd have to be the resolution at the end where Archer finally pulls himself off the the verge of darkness and then has to turn around and grab trip and pull him out as well as they both like remoralize or whatever. Right. Uh, But this dude, I don't know if they even give him a, a name captive guy. He says, you know, you guys are soft. You clearly don't know what the fuck's going on here you don't know what it's like having to live here. Uh, you know, we used to be like you, we used to be civilized. Uh, we got stuck here. Shit's bad. It's dangerous. These anomalies, they don't just fuck your ship up. If you're standing in the wrong place at the wrong time, they'll fuck you up too. And he points to his face showing that like space anomaly ripped the fucking skin off his face and scarred him up as bad as it did, which super cool sci-fi stuff there. Very true. He, uh, cartoon like p- captain i don't know if it's like captain planet levels but like this guy like looney tunes drops some information for free and is like you don't even have your ship coated in trellium d which is what stops the insulation that stops these uh anomalies and you jump back to the last episode or season three, episode one, where they go to the mining colony. trillium D is what the, like the, the super space asbestos that that slave colony was mining. So makes sense. And part of me was like, why didn't they try to market some trillium D at enterprise and be like, Hey, you know, you should buy this shit off. So it's like, Oh, well, if you're just going to enslave anybody, everyone, everybody, yeah, anyways, I was
0: going like, to say, why? They, they didn't try and sell them anything. Cause they're going to take, why bother shit?
1: with a pitch on that? Yeah, like, oh,
0: new new workers and technology. Got it. Uh, they do start being able to track the pirates by tracing their alien, uh, ion trails, and they have that
1: because the... as it goes, Courtesy of uh, their old friends. Yeah,
0: courtesy of the derelict ship that had figured it out, but then unfortunately expired before they could put their plan into action. They can tra- trace them, and they, they follow them basically to a gap in space, or one trail ends and another one begins, but days later. And they're like, well, if we go into this area where there's apparently uh, some sort of void, uh, we might, we might find something interesting. Cool. They they pass through a barrier of some kind that fucks the ship up a little bit. But when they emerge through the barrier, they find a giant sphere, a big metal sphere, What in the HR Geiger is this shit? (laughs) Metal sphere with some shit inside it. Not quite a Dyson
1: sphere. Yeah. But uh, that's no moon. They got themselves a little. It's not a Death Star. It's like a Power Star. Cool sci fi shit. It is a weirdo
0: unknown thing to find in a weirdo
1: unknown part of space. Which is what all of season one and two should have been. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, goes back to. Has Enterprise been a show that is a sci fi television program or an action television program set in space? Um, The the metal sphere with its little door, uh, it's 12 fission power plants, the weird house of stairs platforms connecting inside like really neat stuff that I found myself actually looking to arch and be like, what's this guy's reaction? Because season one and season two, Archer would be like, wow, this is amazing. Let's study it. And you would have had that Explorer vibe. And it was very interesting to see Archer encounter this and not give a single shit about any of it. And that caused disconnect for me, where part of me wanted to be like. I had to watch season one and season two, this shit's already there. You have to have some sort of connection to this old like I. I get you're distancing yourself, but it still happened. Make it worth it. Give me that line of dialogue where he says, "To twelve? How long? How many weeks has it been since uh, the attack?"
0: Uh,
1: it took a month to get out to the expanse, and it's been weeks
0: since I entered it.
1: Let's say You know, wow. Yeah. You know, six months ago, uh, this. Sphere would have been my wildest dream. You know, I, I, the sphere would have been the biggest thing I had ever seen, or or just you know this would have been monumental. And today, I could care less about it. Just they some... even had
0: a scene to do that in, because they have that moment where Paul comes in with scans of the thing, and he's like mildly interested and says, "Scan it some more." Right there, you could have done
1: those lines that you're talking about. Right there, yeah. And, like, and that's what I was. I, I, was, I, I was flabbergasted they did. not yeah, you've got to Paul. I was like, okay, here comes the confidant scene where we're going to see Archer have to acknowledge the person he used to be, or
0: our mission has changed. We can't indulge in exploration anymore. It's interesting. Yeah, as this having, is this fall is fall into the old route
1: and stop? We 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 can't right now. We can't. Uh, so, anyways, this big star, whatever the fuck it is, uh, it's got a little hatch that. Sure enough, Enterprise can't fit in. But you know what? I bet you the shuttle can. So they load up the old away team with some uh, Mako soldiers and they float on over and uh, there's a little locking mechanism computer. They can't hack it. So they pull a Star Wars on it and they shoot it. (laughs) Shoot the door. They shoot the the computer next to the door. Yeah. And it opens up. The inside of this
0: thing is very clearly alien and advanced and it's like a you are treading in the footsteps of giants right like whatever this is it's well beyond whatever we are right and what we find is that these space pirates basically built a little shanty town within this thing that it's not supposed to be there these are some structures they've brought in and are maintaining within this uh, this impromptu fortress they've created for themselves by using this I don't know predecessor technology. It's obviously no no context for this in the story at the moment to hide themselves, which is quite ingenious. That is How very cool. Would
1: have been Herogian. Oh, that this if this was some
0: sort of like Herogian network node or something. Mm. That would have been I mean, badass. They do can extend into the Alpha Quadrant, and we know this from Voyager. But I guess they felt like they just really wanted to be able to do whatever they wanted.
1: I'd still love to see. No, I wouldn't because Star Trek's always shit at doing this. But like the map of the far reaches and getting out to the Delphic Expanse—like how deep into Federation territory that really is—the,
0: the, I mean, as you kind of are saying, there are people who have attempted to approximate those it's maps. Impossible.
1: It's all fucking nonsense.
0: Yeah, because until they never had a series bible on celestial navigation. You know, they never ironed it out until they had done all of these things and said all of these things that couldn't all possibly be true. And so different people take a shot at like trying to construct what, what does the galaxy possibly look like based on all of these descriptions we've received about what is near what. And you do get some interesting maps out of that, but none of them strike me as like the truth,
1: truth, you know what I mean? the Federation's like, always too fucking big, but like pre TOS warp five several weeks of travel or months of travel at pre TOS warp five to like 24th century. Like uh, uh, fucking warp nine. Ne- yeah. What a nebula could have, the, the distance uh, would be like me driving up to the fucking United Dairy Farmers at the end of my street. <laughs> like, <laughs> that whole thing's just in their backyard, basically. Um, so they fly and they get into this uh, little pirate stronghold. They start rooting around. Everybody's on edge. They're all creeping around. How do you feel about uh, Reed's gun control in this episode? I mean, it was a little bit better. I, I, his pinky's not flared out. I'm like, yeah, right, we'll someone gave him a note.
0: Yeah, someone's like, hold the gun in your whole hand. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't act like you're you're at tea time. All right, like hold the whole gun. Uh, and he holds it more like a professional and holds it in both hands. Like he's going to control it like a real weapon. Um, you know, maybe being around these actors who are doing the right thing with the f- rifles and they're like checking corners and stuff, probably because they get cast in military shit a lot. So because of that, they know like the basics of what a military guy does is you're entering the door and all of that. They've done the cut in the pie. Sure. Yeah. You know, they've had the consultants have like run them through what the stuff looks like. So they're just using that training and then they're like the guy playing Reed. Maybe the consultant just
1: went up to Reed and was like hold the gun like you don't want someone to come slap it out of your hand. (laughs) Hold it like it's a deadly
0: weapon. You have to be prepared to implement like a serious thing instead of like with your fucking
1: pinky house, you fucking British weirdo. So they find all their old shit. I like while they're rooting around they find this big nasty tub and the guy's like Oh, they call them stem bolts or something. Yeah.
0: Instantly, as soon
1: as I see it, I was like, that's that shit. Senator Kelly was fucking hauling. It was. And it was. I saw it in memory. I was like, well, good on me for recognizing ratty old reuse props. Usually it's just the cool stuff I recognize. They steal. What I understand is only their own stuff back. Correct. Very big of them. They also get the cargo manifest,
0: which becomes very important. Uh, because as they get all of their stuff back, Hoshi starts Hoshi starts uh, decoding that and finds out that this cargo manifest contains an item and of it contains several items that have come from a Zindi ship, and of course that means these pirates have encountered Zindi ships, so they know what Zendis look like. Maybe they know where they live. Maybe there's something. Maybe they left the ship somewhere. So with that information in hand, that suddenly this weird side quest that they're on to deal with piracy might actually be their best lead towards actual factual living Zindi that they can do something with or to or follow or investigate. Uh, Archer goes back to the brig and decides to reacquaint himself with his overacting
1: friend. I noticed that Hoshi is no longer the communications officer so much as Hacker Girl.
0: Yeah, they've turned her into sort of like the um, cryptographer which makes sense for a linguist because IRL linguists
1: often are but like later in the episode where they're hacking the enemy ship to download their database and you know what if it gets her more screen time I'm down we need a hacker do we have an Asian character (laughs) guess what (laughs) They need to like do her makeup up like uh, Angelina Jolie and Hackers, where she's got like this elven pixie cut and like wild uh, eyeshadow. Tons of
0: times of um, eyeliner and eyeshadow.
1: Gimme it, I like I it. Just
0: I just went to
1: I went to Tripp's movie night and there was something from the '90s and it really <laughs> stuck with me. Is Hackers part of the Paramount catalog? Um, so yeah, Archer goes, "Oh, uh, there's Zindy. Involved in this. So he goes back and watches the dark Knight real quick. The Batman Joker (laughs) scenes. Where's uh, Rachel? Where's Cindy? at? Where's Rachel? Where's Cindy? No, Cindy. X-I-N-D-I. I'm not playing around with you anymore. We're going to, we're going to go back to the Jane way of doing things. I'm going to put a phaser to your head. We're going to suck all the air out of the room and we'll see what happens. So, He starts getting rough with this guy. He's got a phaser. Oh, Captain, I don't think you have it in you to to be that much of a brute. Well, little do you know, I'm season three Archer. I don't brush my hair (laughs) forward anymore. I brush my hair down. And he drags him out and fucking takes that renegade option. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which one? A or B, boys? I was never... Yeah, uh, Archer's never had the Mass Effect Paragon and Renegade option. It's always been uh petulant bitch or Renegade, and it's an easy choice to make in this one for him. Of course, Reed comes sniveling. Sir, you're hurting him. Archer don't care. Archer drags the guy off, throws him in the airlock, uh, sets the airlock to start decompressing, to call Space Pirate's Bluff. Breaks his will by
0: putting him into asphyxiation and making him confirm multiple times he was ready to talk. Mm-hmm.
1: And then let's, yeah, that was the best lesson. part. The guy's yeah, like, like right. he's like, You sure? You sure? How about now? You sure? That's that's evil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's you know, I get it. It's an interrogation technique, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta let make sure the guy's gonna give you everything, right? Like, you've tapped the well deep. You can't fuck around. You can't make him think you you turned back at the first opportunity. You make him sit with his mortality for a few more seconds and you're like, okay, now you get out. Now that you've had a few more dark moments to consider the abyss, what would you like to tell me? Yeah. and sure enough it's everything it's the it's the access codes it's (laughs) to the computer
1: yeah it's it's, here's how the cloak works also here's the master control fucking code for the ship which why my captain entrusts that to anybody is fucking beyond me i mean they straight they straight (laughs) torture the guy that works i mean it's this is quite a message (laughs) I know, but, like, why would you, as the captain, give your fucking expendable underlings the magic codes to fuck you over? Uh, It it, it doesn't make sense. If
0: only they said, like, he was the XO or something like that. Sure. You know, forgot to leave how like, why this guy knows this. But sure enough, he seems to. And uh, that's the crazy like,
1: part about this guy, too, is Archer goes in there like I get not wanting to rat your own ship out because you're in this lose lose position here, right? You've been captured. Clearly, you're expendable. Uh, and he even says so much as I'm not going to tell you how to find my ship, because even if I tell you how you're going to kill me or if you give me back to my captain, he's not going to be very happy that I led him directly to you and, uh, you know, cause this problem. So they'll probably just kill me, too. I get him being loyal out of necessity to that. But when Archer goes in there and starts yelling about the Zindi, like, why why make your life on Enterprise uncomfortable over some fucking marks you ripped off? I, I think he would have just sung. This guy was needlessly dickish towards yeah, Archer on that. Just cartoonish.
0: Just really had to be the worst guy because I felt like they I I think they felt like they had to do that because that was how they sold making Archer's heel turn into torturing him okay if he was like semi-reasonable you couldn't have tortured him but this is post 9-11 gritty reboot they (laughs) want to torture his ass
1: Uh, here, here it is make this guy your Neelix make him somewhat likable keep the scarred face if you want to yeah. Uh, but Make
0: him the ship's cook and he's over there and he's like befuddled. He's not very aggressive.
1: It, Archer goes, all right, well, we got what we want and I can give you back to your captain. No, this guy is going to fucking kill me. Or Archer can be like, you know what? You cost me a crew member. I'm one man down now and you're going to replace him because if I give you back to your captain, he's going to kill you. You're familiar with the area and maybe yeah. have him been a little bit cooperative on the Zindi or something else. And that was always my big gripe with Voyager was they'd come across all these great guest actors and none of them ever joined the ship. At least none of the ones I ever really wanted. Shout out Dr. Pell ever joined the ship. You know, we got Neelix and Kess up front and then we picked up uh, the ex Borg, but there were so many other good ones that would have just been great to have along. I think this guy would have been. Some very welcome cast, especially since you've made it clear to us at this point that Mayweather, Hoshi, more or less Reed, maybe fla- like your your quote unquote starring cast has all been relegated to background. You're bringing these Mako dudes in, bring a third alien on board. Yeah,
0: why not? Now's the time,
1: right? Like you're going into the hard reset. You Having want an alien a really guide- dark element. Yeah, here, bring a fucking space pirate in, that's gonna have that 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 fucking kill. He he could be like a dirty buddy with Reed. Like, yeah, kill these guys, fuck them, let's I mean, take their stuff.
0: I think there's a real line. You make him sort of a a junior member of the crew, or kind of like an unwilling participant, semi unwilling participant. You know, somebody who really wasn't into the pirate life, but was part of the crew by some means or motive that wasn't entirely his own. And so he gives this opportunity to be, like, part of something else and work off this debt of, like, having been part of this act of violence against this crew. Especially as they started off
1: as space merchants. This guy should have been more open to negotiations, more open to bartering, and and exactly what you said. I never wanted to be a space pirate. It was out of necessity. This is a better opportunity. It's very Neelix-ish in retread, but hey, by the end, I love Neelix. He's my favorite. So I, I just think they didn't want to have space for that
0: because they just wanted this to be the gritty reboot. You know, like no one can be trusted in this part of space. Everyone is terrible. Fuck them. Big miss. Uh, all right. What is what is not a miss is are the torpedoes because
1: the NX-01 just waits for these guys to show back up. And they do. How are we going to find them? We don't need to find them. We're sitting next yeah. to the fucking dragon's horde, man. They're going to come yeah. back here and we're going to fucking bust them over the head with a chair.
0: You ever you, ever, you ever play DayZ? They're <laughs> going back to the fort. We're here. <laughs> like, we got them. Mm-hmm. So, sure enough, they show up and, and Reed is Johnny on the spot, lays down some, some fire, and Enterprise has clearly got these guys outgunned, but they're not trying to blow them up. They're trying to hack their ship. So we get a whole sequence where try to get close enough and stay close enough to download the database. They go into the field to try and shake them off. So Enterprise goes back and purposefully starts fucking with the stash so that it forces the pirates hands to come in and just make a run at them. And that allows Hoshi to finish downloading the database. And then Archer's like, oh, good. Finally, destroy them. (laughs) Just blow them out of the water. I don't care anymore. And winds up disabling their engine and making them crash land,
1: I guess, on the sphere. And they bounce off. They f- they fly off injured.
0: And I guess, like, they just declare a unilateral ceasefire and say, we've actually come what we came for and we took all of our shit back. So we're going to hand you your guy back and we're going to leave. And if you ever bother us again, we're going to kill you. We don't see that conversation, but I kind of presume it happened. Sure. You know, like, we're done. You don't we're not murderers, so we have no interest in finishing you off. Just never bother us again.
1: Some real shades of uh, Janeway dickishness here. Like these guys are a predatory nuisance who have victimized everybody they've come across. And I wouldn't have blamed them for just destroying their ship or blowing up their stash and being like, fuck you, like here's two middle over actor
0: basically says like how you're showing us mercy. Oh, that's stupid. You know, like he's even being told by the plot. Like this is just going to keep,
1: I mean, I'm not, they're going to fucking kill me because you're not giving me a reasonable offer to stay on your ship and be your pirate guide. Uh, But yeah, my buddies, they are going to keep just fucking raping and pillaging because that's what we've accustomed to. And that that's another, again, back to the beginning. My criticism here is that, they try to make these guys out to be real mad max live and let die bad guys but then they do this raid on a ship and they're sloppily knocking people out instead of just murdering everybody they come across as well as stealing so like it's a tiny bit of a
0: mismatch like either make them more reluctant to be pirates and that's why they're not killing people. And so you empathize a little bit with them and then it gets a little bit more gray area about what's going on or make them bloodthirsty. And so they're really the bad guys. And that means they should be murdering everyone. They get their hands on. Absolutely.
1: If there was that hesitation throughout all of the pirates actions, then give Archer that ability at the end to say, I've got you on your knees and I can do the area of a favor and kill you, or I can show mercy and I still see. I, I, I see we could become you and I'm going to recognize the need to walk a higher path. Yeah. And very, and that's why I'm not going to kill you. Uh, but, but making them this, well, some of us knock people out, but others go and with their guns set to kill it's this disconnect. It's bad. They take him out. Uh, Archer puts captive guy back on a shuttle, flies him, dumps him off and, you know, pirates, the pirate bay. And then Archer has this real <laughs> solid mass effect ending where he walks into the command center as it's flashing the Zindi archives or whatever the fuck he has. And the projections are going over his face and you've got this, heavy synth music going again, straight out of like mass effect one. Oh yeah. As, uh, it's this. It's a little synth guitar right before that scene too. It was very noticeable. And the, the
0: lighting, we didn't talk much about it. The lighting, in the whole episode is so much lower. It's much more dramatic. Tense, it's better lit because of it. Like mm-hmm. a little darkness goes a long way. People talk shit about it in, in Picard a lot, but it is a little too dark, but dark helps make light useful. When things are overlit, then light doesn't do anything for you. You have to turn it down so that you can use it in ways that enhance your cinematography. This is this is, you know, an art that has been slowly unlocked, I think, by a lot of creators at every level of budget and creation. And finally, here we are in Star Trek and they discovered 20 yes, years
1: let's, ago. Yeah. Let's do some light, let's do some light stuff. That's probably a very good idea on our part but it really coming works back. They're sending you off to go save earth. And you're like, I-, I thought you guys were retrofitting the ship. All you did was like, take out every other light bulb. The sun <laughs> can't fucking,
0: you can't see. The fuck? I'm running into
1: fucking you guys are saving so much energy though. We've cut your electricity bill in half.
0: Overall. I, I really, really like this episode. Uh, I feel like we were kind of negative ish on some elements, some, some nitpicky stuff because it was really close to being, great and it just made a few missteps like it just quite wasn't right in a couple spots but overall i love the tone the action was actually very well executed in this episode it's it's giving you a real sense of urgency with its plot uh and it is it gripping is it gripping and and thrilling watch and uh, i can't say that about practically anything from the first two fucking seasons. So it's such a a a nice change, but you know, straight up having ensign or uh, Corporal McKenzie without a bra, uh, I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that. I can't believe I
1: missed <clears throat> boobies to the degree you you seem to be expressing here.
0: I am st- stunned into silence that you did
1: not notice you of all people. I am not as keen on this one as you were. Again, I think there's too much retread going on from. Concerning flight and which, you know, a space pot, we got robbed. That shouldn't be a rare thing to happen. It feels um, so much more different, though. I'll say that it does. But they're due to be robbed and not recover everything. I think had some resources really been lost. But every time the Enterprise or a hero ship gets robbed, they always get their ship back. And I'm tired of it. Uh The fact that the Zindi get involved in this. Uh, becomes the real star of this show and turns what I think would have otherwise been kind of a pointless and drag, not dragging, but just a pointless filler episode and turns it into a good part of the meta plot. What are we watching next week, Peter? Season three, episode three, we're getting into Extinction. Uh, This one's written by Andre Baramis. Uh oh. Get out the fucking Two Face Quarter. It's LeVar Burton. (laughs) I have a very bad. uh, Is this going to be great or is this going to be awful? Archer Reed and Sato are threatened by a virus that mutates them into primal life forms. This is one of the most dog shit episodes of Star Trek ever. Yeah, as I said, LeVar Burton. (laughs)
0: And this this one this one shows up just in time to make remind you this is still Enterprise <laughs> and greatness uh, will not always be the formula. <laughs> um,
1: why oh, is it always the hard like are they just trying to to tell him to fuck off without actually telling him to fuck off and they just give him bad episodes to try and run him out? You know, these uh, the crew devolves episodes. Obviously, the Star Trek one, I'm sorry, the next gen one was fucking amazing, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, And I guess the closest Voyager really got was. What was the one with the fucking Pac-Mans floating around? Pac-Mans. Where where, uh, Janeway goes all Ripley. Oh, oh, uh, Macro... Or because macroism, excellent. yes. So maybe there's not really that many. We devolve into monsters, but I guess you could count rascals. That was a bad one. <laughs> that was a bad one.
0: Yeah, it's not so great either. And we'll be we'll be reviewing it together next week. Mm. Thanks, everybody. See you then.